0: Episode thirty-seven with Deanna Snyder on the Nine Points start with a Dream podcast. Welcome to Nine Points Started with a Dream podcast. Our goal is to showcase the stories of the athletes and the community that supports them by being authentic about their journey. Here's your host, Jacoby Gillum. Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. This episode we have Deanna Snyder. She was one of the first people I got to contact with um, when I first started Nine Points. It's kind of cool to see how her journey has evolved throughout this process as well. We go through how she kind of got involved in sports and what she's doing today with the winning element in her new book. So I hope you enjoy and let's get to it. Deanna, yeah, the question I ask everyone comes on is, when you're younger as an athlete, what was one of your bigger dream goals you wanted to achieve?
1: You know, I really wanted to be the first woman to play in the NBA. That was my earliest and biggest dream as an as an athlete. I started playing basketball when I was five years old. And at that time, the WNBA didn't even exist. That wasn't a thing. So for me, when I was growing up and playing basketball, as this five, six, seven-year-old, that was the thing that I looked up to. That was the thing that was the biggest goal that I could achieve was to be the first woman to play in the NBA. And then, you know, a couple of years later, there was, there was the first woman who played in the NBA. And there was, I believe, and don't quote me, somebody fact-checked me on this, but there was one woman who played, and I'm not sure how that went down or how long that lasted, but eventually they created the WmBA and then that was kind of like the next goal so that was <laughs> probably my biggest goal so
0: what about that? So what about being the first why basketball over all sports?
1: Well, I grew up playing basketball, and you know my family has always been basketball fans. I grew up in Los Angeles or just outside of LA. So LA Lakers have always been my team. And, you know, when you grow up in a family where, you know, they're watching basketball or they're fans of basketball. I also had an uncle who really enjoyed playing basketball as well. So when I was growing up, that was a really connective experience for me and a way that I was able to connect and share time with people who I cared about. And I've always I've always loved exploring all different sports. Basketball was my first sport. I dipped into baseball for a while, got a couple of black eyes, didn't work out too well, didn't want to play softball. <laughs> it was kind of over baseball. You know, I dipped into soccer for a little while, didn't like running up and down that field. And honestly, I just fell head over heels for basketball. So, you know, at the time of growing up and, and being a fan of of the Lakers and having a family who really enjoyed watching basketball and, you know, as kids we're always trying to like win and win the attention and the affection of our family. So I'm sure, Oh my God, I'm sure that that had something to do um, with me also falling in love with basketball at that time.
0: I love it. So, so once you realize that dream wasn't going to be the one, <laughs> how, did, how did you pivot or what made you say, okay, what's next to try to accomplish?
1: yeah so I would definitely say that so I started playing basketball when I was younger, and you know there was there was other sports and adventures along the way. I really enjoyed going to the beach during the summers and boogie boarding, and not just like the boogie boarding where you ride the foam in and you ride it and, and you get off and you do it again, but the kind where you've got fins on you're out in the middle of the ocean, you're dropping into these waves, so I've always been interested in different sports for me basketball was the sport that I enjoyed playing that I had more time to play and I had more accessibility. The beach was 45 minutes away. So it was something that I could just do all the time. Same thing for the other sports. And then I was playing basketball, middle school and in high school. And when I got into high school, I really wanted to be a double sport athlete. Like I thought that that was the cool thing to do was to play two sports. So I added volleyball. And at the, that time when I was playing basketball, I was burnt out. I had coaches that were yellers. I was a freshman on the varsity team. I was one of the only white girls on a predominantly black girl team. You know, we had upperclassmen. I mean, it was, it wasn't a fun connective experience playing basketball and, and jumping from middle school to high school. Right. Like, it's all of these different factors it's all of this different stress it's all of the different things to come together so and it's the level of training as well we were a very competitive team so i was playing basketball kind of struggling with it started to play volleyball and if you've ever been on a basketball team or a volleyball team you know that is a very they are very different team atmospheres and it's a different game it's a very different team game you know when you're playing volleyball You're celebrating every single point, whether you win or lost the point. Every point in volleyball ends in an error, but everybody's celebrating. Everybody on that court is celebrating because volleyball is a game of momentum. And I love to win and I love to celebrate. So volleyball was super duper fun. You know, I was learning a new sport. I was, you know, the atmosphere was very different. You know, the athletes who play volleyball, it's just a different team atmosphere, for basketball same thing so i would bounce between these two different sports and as i was bouncing between them i started to realize i hated basketball i was done i was absolutely done with it and when i was growing up you know my parents they loved basketball and i got to this point where it was no longer the dream anymore for me and i was realizing that my efforts and the time that i was spending it, it became really unproductive and frankly, it just wasn't healthy for my mental health or for the stress that I was feeling. And somebody told me when I was a sophomore and I was playing volleyball for the first time in club volleyball, they told me, if you work hard enough, you could get a scholarship. And that was the only thing that I needed to completely drop basketball and jump fully into volleyball. So, although it was difficult to tell my mom and dad that that it just wasn 't serving me anymore and that this was the right decision for me, which my parents are incredibly supportive, so that conversation was was very easy for the most part, and they were they were fully supportive they're like, okay well, I guess we could I guess we could learn to love volleyball it'll be fine it'll be fine you know so they went through their withdrawal and but they completely fell in love with volleyball, so the new dream was playing volleyball in college and getting a division one scholarship. That was what I set my sights on. So my sophomore year, junior year, and senior year were really pushing towards this dream and this goal of getting into good getting into a good school and playing the sport that I loved. And because I was fairly new to it, I didn't have I didn't have this burnout mentality. I hadn't been playing it for so long. You know, I was and <laughs> there were things that I was still learning and that I realized that in my development for, for volleyball, I realized that I didn't even learn until, until I was like a junior playing division one volleyball. And they're like, how did you not know that about this sport? Like, I, I don't know. Nobody ever taught me because I started playing when I was 16 and apparently everybody learned that rule except for me. Cause it didn't apply to me.
0: But- You're making your own rules.
1: Yeah, I just didn't know. There was just like the finer points or like some strategic things that I just didn't pick up on. And I didn't know because uh, for volleyball, my position as a middle blocker was incredibly specific. Like you have two main jobs and half the time you don't even know what's going on behind you because you have two jobs. Everything that goes on around you, like you have two jobs. You need to close a block and you need to be up to either swing or be a decoy. Those are the two things that you do as a middle. Everything else around you Irrelevant. You know, irrelevant. You have no control. I don't know where anybody's standing. I just know there are people playing defense behind me. And my job is to be here and I don't I didn't see any of it. So there was a lot of things that I just didn't <laughs> I just didn't learn it.
0: <laughs> so going back to, you know, you deciding to switch sports and you like you're like, okay. my parents may not like this, you know, for anyone that's maybe like dealing with that, you know, as an athlete, you know, your parents have their own dream for you, but you're like, "Uh, I'm really, I'm, I'm really starting to love gymnastics. I'm starting to really love football or baseball, you know, how do you, how would you say approach the conversation?
1: So I would say first and foremost, to really do some reflecting on why you might feel the way that you do. And really check in, you know, do that first and foremost, that check in with yourself and say, do I not like this other sport because I'm not good at it? And do I not like this other sport because I don't like the way I'm being treated by coaches and other people? Do I not like this sport because I don't want to rise to the challenge? Do I not like this other sport because X, Y, and Z? So I would say first and foremost, question, and I don't, don't say question in a judgmental way, but really reflect on why it is that you're being pulled towards another sport. And then once you kind of have that, that deep knowing of the right thing to do, because I think it's really important for us to, to reflect on why we might be making the choices that we want to make, And then as soon as we have that gut feeling that like, no, this is what I'm supposed to do. This is what I want to do. This is what I'm passionate about. This is what sets my soul on fire. Once we kind of know what that is and you have a deep knowing, then opening up the lines of communication and really getting clear on that, I think like that's the next part, right? So I think the piece of advice is communicating from, A place in your heart, right? Coming through with a lot of compassion and vulnerability and explaining because the people around you that you're talking to, whether it's your teammates, because I had that. The, The girls that I played with for basketball, I played with them for years and some of them were my best friends. And then I had family members who really had a vested interest in me continuing to play basketball. But everybody's always going to have an outside view on what's best for you, what you should or shouldn't do. And especially as as a youth athlete, everybody's going to think that they know best for you. But as you're developing as a young woman or a young man, as you're starting to get to know yourself, as you're really getting clear on the vision that you have for your future, it's important to honor that and also learn how to communicate that and know that other people are going to tell you a bunch of things that have everything to do with them and very little to do with you. We all have our different lenses that we look through from our life experiences, to our history, to the way that we were raised, to our culture, to religion, all of those different things. We have these lenses. So I think it's important that as we start to communicate our truth to other people, it's important to know that their lens might not always match yours and that's okay but to deeply honor your truth and what you want to do and almost you know for parents sometimes it's it's difficult right because they don't have a lot of control of their kids <laughs> like they're they're and i i tell this to youth athletes all the time like as 16 17 18 year old you guys are growing up you guys are almost out of the nest yes they provide for you yes all those things but for the most part they don't have a lot of control so every little thing that that they that they're losing they're losing all of those things so it's important to know that too and and more than anything to communicate with with love and truth that this is what i want to do and you know what? You might not think it's best for me, but I know that it is, and I'm willing. I'm willing to step into that. So yeah, that's what I would say.
0: Spin some fire right there.
1: Woo! Trying <laughs> some days.
0: So so now so now you're in college, right? I remember you, re- you have an article for, for not for the site about how you know you had that first tryout, you know, <laughs> and, and how you know it was like okay, this is this is go time. So how did you have to shift your mindset from high school to now playing division 1 college?
1: Nice. So to clarify the 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 test, right? So I got recruited to play division 1 volleyball and in that, you know, I I got a scholarship, was recruited and and knew that I was going to be coming in with a group of five freshmen. So four other women coming in to compete for spots, right? And we had, we definitely had our our spots. So we were on the team. But one of the things that we had to do as a team and one of the requirements for being able to start preseason was this test. And it was a sprint test. And I'll try to have to remember the the numbers, but we had to we had a certain number of of hundred yard sprints that we had to do under a certain amount of time. And if anybody on the team failed any one of those sprints, we would have to do it again until we passed. If we couldn't do it for three days, if it took us three days and we couldn't do it, then we would be cut and you're, and you're done. So, so for me, when I heard that I had this test, I had this test that I was going to have was going to do and I'm a I'm a preparation kind of a person I
0: know
1: <laughs> I'm a preparation kind of a person and I don't like being stressed. I like knowing that I'm going to succeed. So the first time that I heard about this test it was it was the the summer before I went to play volleyball, right? So it was probably in May that I found out about this test and I have to run it in June. August, in August. I have to, I have to run it in August. So I've got months. I've got June, July, August. Shoot. That's only three months. So I had three months. I had three months to train my butt off to make this work. So I remember as soon as I got it, I was like, all right, well, I got to see, I got to see where I'm starting from. So I remember cowering to the line and, and running. And I probably, probably got a couple of sprints in, and it was very clear that i was going to work have to work very hard that these sprints were going to be very difficult so throughout throughout that summer i was not going to get sent home i'm not moving to texas i'm not bringing shame on my family i'm i'm not i'm not going home because i'm going to play division 1 volleyball so there was this mindset throughout the training that you can do this you're doing and i'd always be like this is for utpa this is for the school this is for me this is for my team you know i'm doing extra reps because it's for it's for the team so there was this this mind uh, there was this mindset that i had to earn it i had to earn it every single day and that's how i showed up and i did a couple of tests throughout to see where i was and i was getting better and better but i still wasn't able to do the full test And I remember right before I left to go to South Texas and and start to run the test, it was probably two or three weeks before I actually left, I came up a couple of sprints short and it it was like a couple of seconds and I completely had like a breakdown moment. I went home tail between my legs and and I was probably crying.
0: Hey, hey, tears happen, you know? Hey, good.
1: blood, sweat, tears. That's yeah. how we make it happen. Then I went home and I was stressed out and I was talking to my mom and she was, she was saying, Deanna, you've been training all summer. You're ready. And although you didn't make it today, you're going to make it in another day and you still have time and you're going to be okay. Just keep training. Just keep training. Tomorrow's another day. Just keep training. So I just kept training. So so I went back and I hit it and I was was running hills and I was running sprints and I was was doing everything I could. And then the day of came. And by that time, I felt ready because I knew that I did everything I possibly could to succeed and that I knew that no matter what, win, lose, draw, that I had given it everything that I had. So sprint after sprint after sprint, it was fun. At that point, it was fun, and it might be because this the sprint length was slightly less. Like I looked at it, and it was slightly less than a hundred yards, and I was not mad about it at all. And it might have been because of that. I was like, "Oh man, I've been overtraining. I got this. I got this. I'm all I got rental. this." Now.
0: All, all in your head. You're like, "Ah, oh, we're good."
1: Yeah, and just sprint after sprint, and everybody was making it right. And I wasn't even coming in last; like I was doing well. I wasn't first either. I'm six one. Okay, <laughs> I'm a big girl. So sprint after sprint, it just you know I was coming in. I was coming in. I was coming in. And by the end of it, we got you know I'd run all the sprints. Everybody made it. There was one girl who didn't, and she had to. She actually had to run it a couple more times, but everybody except for that one girl made it, <laughs> that girl, right? She ended up, she ended up um, making a pivot and going somewhere else anyway. So it wasn't right for her anyway. Yeah. But it was this moment for me that if I worked hard and if I put everything that I had into something, that I could succeed at anything, anything. And that all it took was time and effort and that I would be successful. And I earned it. I earned, I earned it every single day. I earned it the day that I took the test. And then for the re- I knew for the rest of my collegiate career that I was going to have to earn it every day, that this wasn't just, all right, you earned it. Great job. You did your sprints. Here's your scholarship. It was, no, I have to work for this every single day. And I'm going to continue to work for it every single day. And I'm going to do my best every single day. So that was a, it was a huge confidence booster for me. And it helped me rely on myself. So whenever I was going through, and whenever I do go through things that are difficult, whether they're physical or mental challenges that I can always rely on. If you work hard enough, you will succeed. If you work hard enough, you will succeed.
0: I love that. Nothing, that's, that's. Such a, a key phrase, you know. Every day, I have to earn it because
1: nothing's given, nothing, nothing ever, and, and ever. Think, ever.
0: And I think sometimes I know, I know I was that way. As a, as a youth athlete, I was like, uh, I'm, I'm guaranteed to be on the team. You know, I'm guaranteed to, you know, to start. I got, I, I got the college and all the walk on, and I was like, oh, I do got to earn it. You know, <laughs> so, so I was like, okay, that was, a, that was a different, that a different game. So for you once you kind of develop this mindset is, I got to earn this, how did, so how did the rest of your career go as a college athlete?
1: So as a college athlete, so it's actually really interesting, right? So for, for most athletes who play in high school or play in club, or they, they play at the youth level, right? So, so subcollegiate level, most of us are, on the best team or one of the best teams, right? Because we got recruited to play in college, whether that's D1, D2, D3, whatever. But you were probably a good enough player on a good enough team. So if you come from a history of winning, right? And then you get thrown into whatever collegiate program that you're a part of, whether that's D1, D2, D3, NAIA, everything else, right? you can be humbled to know that unless, unless you're top 100, right. Unless you're, unless you're BYU or Nebraska or like whatever, you know, whatever the big schools are, Miami, all the, all the schools, UCLA, USC, all those, but you're coming into college and you're finding out, Oh no, I'm not the best. I'm personally not the best on my team anymore. I'm around a group of athletes and, and many teams of athletes who are the best in their area at what they do. So it's very humbling. It's very humbling to come onto a team and come from a winning culture and have losing seasons for four years. And that was my story. I had, I had four losing seasons and losing seasons mean you win less than half, which means you lose more. <laughs> <laughs> so for me, you know, I had four losing seasons, but, you know, winning and losing isn't everything. And, and I know a lot of people who are listening are like, what do you mean? Winning, winning is everything. It's not, it's the, it's the progress. It's the development. Everybody likes to win, but it's, it's about, you know, is it a win as a team or is it a, I had great stats or our team had great stats or our team improved. So being on a, I say, I say this in quotes for people who are listening, a losing team doesn't necessarily mean you are a loser or that you're not capable of winning. It just means win means something different. And it changed, your, it changed, it changed my perspective on everything because I was highly competitive and it changed the focus. It wasn't about winning anymore. Although hell yes, I want to win every game everything i do i want to win but it it really changed my um my focus to more of a progress mindset and less of a an outcome of well we want to win a championship that's the goal that's what we're working to for me it was more how do we develop ourselves how do i how do i and for me i was always fighting off injuries so it was how can i stay the healthiest during season and make it through without any injuries You know, how can I have, how can I play my best game? Again, my, my position is very skill specific. So I can, I can play the best game that I can play, but I really can't, I, I can't affect the win or the loss. I mean, I can to a degree, but there's so many different variables, the other team, my teammates, everything around me. So having that, that those losing seasons taught me a lot about how to look at athlete development, how to look at um, locus of control, like what can you control? What can't you control? What should I focus my time and energy on? So that taught me a lot.
0: So I know it's easier when when you're losing to be like, I'm going to jump ship, right? It's easier to be like, I'm going to transfer to a better team, X, Y, Z. Yeah. What helped you, I guess, stay the course
1: well, we came in, I, as a freshman, we came in with five total. So we had five freshmen. My freshman year, we lost one. My sophomore year, we lost another. They jumped ship. <laughs> or or not even jump ship, but that their life plans changed, whatever that means, right? You know, and then, so the three that remained, you know, we always had a commitment to the team, to ourselves and to what we were doing. I was incredibly happy with my life outside of volleyball. I had great friends. I had a great relationship. I had a great support system. I loved where I was at. It was a perfect match for me. I was in South Texas. So number one, the weather was great. Number two, the food was awesome. You know, um, the business program that I was in, I was really enjoying the atmosphere that I was in and the classmates that I had. So, you know, in terms of jumping ship, there was so much more that went into it other than just the, the athletic perspective. And also it's like the hope of getting better every year, right? So it's like year one to year two. Okay, we're going to do better. And we did do better. And then junior year, we got an entire new coaching staff which was really inspiring because we brought in really talented super young coaches super young coaches who brought a lot of life into the program and reignited our and I say our as in like the three people who I was really closest to but also the people who who were slightly younger too reignited our our passion for the sport and for what we were doing so Junior year was kind of a new beginning for us. So there wasn't there was never a time for me personally where I thought, uh, I really want to go to someplace else where I can where I can win more. You know, for me it was more about the the totality of the experience than just volleyball and the record.
0: Love that. Cause it's, it's easy to be like, ah, I wanna win and because, especially nowadays it's like we think so much about self. Yeah. You know, so it's awesome. Now we're, you know, we're finishing up college. How did you decide what's next for Deanna
1: Oh man, that was a confusing time. <laughs> Which I'm pretty sure it's a very confusing time for everybody. So when I was graduating, so I got my undergrad in marketing. And at that time, right? At that time it was 2008, 2009 which was when the market crashed, which is when there were very little jobs out there with, you know, for people who are younger, like things were really crazy for a while. Like there was a collapse going on. And as a, as an athlete with no work experience, other than playing elite volleyball, you know, going out into the uh, the professional atmosphere just didn't seem like an option. You know, I was really drawn to um, up-leveling my education. I knew I wanted to get a master's. I wanted to get my MBA at some point. And as the collapse was happening, it was like, I think now's a great time to double down on my master's degree <laughs> and this other opportunity presented itself where I was able to be the graduate assistant of the volleyball team. So that also, so it was a scholarship to do my master's in business. And at that time I had no idea what I wanted to do with my marketing degree. It's not like I had this clear path or this clear vision of what I wanted to do. You know, I, I had just finished vol. I had just finished four years of volleyball I had um I had done an externship with NASCAR which was a really cool experience and we won the grand prize for that and I also I I f- actually finished in like a semester I had another semester to complete cuz I had a minor so for me there were like there was a lot of pressure going on so finding a job was not something I really wanted to do and just the the stars aligned for me to to really go down this path of getting an MBA and also being the graduate assistant. And the graduate assistant position opened my eyes to what I did not want to do for the rest of my life, which was coach. It was not something that I wanted to do. Um, It was great to be in the team environment. It was great to work with the athletes. And I really enjoyed certain parts of that position, but I also really hated everything else about it. And it wasn't something that I wanted to do. So actually in my second year, I switched to the business department as a teaching assistant. So I still had a scholarship to get my MBA and I finished my MBA. Um, And even at that time when I finished my MBA, I didn't even know what I wanted to do then. Like I knew I had an entrepreneurial spirit. And at one time, I think at at the end of my MBA, I think I, I owned a franchise in an energy company. So I was, I was working on the entrepreneurial side. You know, I want, I want to be a CEO, but you know, I, I I don't know what I'm doing. So I'd love to be an executive assistant or, you know, something like that. So I could really learn. So I started looking for executive assistant positions and then I was, I was doing multi-level marketing stuff too. So like that entrepreneurial spirit was really stoked and I was in, I was around really, really talented people. And and that experience helped me really develop my my professional development and be able to be articulate and have fun and network with other people. So I learned a lot of really cool soft skills during that time. And then after I started realizing, oh shoot, I don't necessarily want to be in that particular area. I had been there for nine years by that time because I I was working different. I was working like three different sales jobs. I was working because um. I can do design too. So I was working two sales jobs, a design job, and then I had my franchise in the energy business. So I was juggling a lot of different things. I had no idea what I wanted to do. I just knew that the time that I had spent in South Texas was probably coming to an end. So, you know, I looked at being a firefighter. I looked at doing different sales jobs. I looked at really where I wanted to go. So I looked at Austin. I looked at San Antonio because those are beautiful and very cool areas. And I also was pulled feeling very pulled back to Southern California where I grew up. So as I was trying to make things happen and figure out where to go, I, I tested to be a firefighter. I made it through a couple of the rounds that didn't end up working out. And then I I decided, you know what, I think I'm going to move home to California. There's a lot of different job opportunities. And by this time, there were a ton of different job opportunities. I had gotten more experience And I felt really good about being able to leverage some of the contacts that I had here and find something that was going to work for me. So when I moved back to Southern California, I hooked up with a couple of friends and they said, hey, I think we know a good place for you. So I ended up getting a job at, it was a sales job at a computer learning center, which sounds really weird, but it was really cool because I worked with a lot of IT directors and i talked to decision makers hr and i really honed in on my ability to make a lot of cold calls you know um network with people very quickly present myself in a meeting do presentations and really sell and i was doing that for a couple of years probably like 2 years and my boss actually went to another company and then I, and then he He hired me at that other company, which it was right in line. It wasn't a direct competitor, but it was a really good on-ramp to a career in technology and sales and technology. For people who don't know, technology is booming and people should know that. But there's a lot of really cool things that are out there and, and a ton of really cool sales rep positions. And the technology field was really interesting to me because it was hyper growth everything was changing, you know, everything was super duper dynamic, which is all, all the things that I enjoy. So I was always learning and I was using a lot of the skills that I had learned at my other job, as well as in, in, on my team, right? So that, that athlete side of me and that drive and that ambition, that really gave me a foundation for succeeding at sales. And a couple of years in to doing the sales job, I had a friend reach out to me and say, Hey, Deanna, you know, we have this new volleyball club and we'd love for you to come coach. And I had been kind of out of volleyball for probably three years. Cause I, I was still doing stuff here and there with volleyball. And I'd been out for three years cause I was, you know, climbing the corporate ladder. And, and eventually I was like, okay. He's like, come on, Deanna, just come to one practice. I said, okay. He's one of my best friends. So I was like, fine, fine, I'll come. I'll come to your practice. Okay, fine, Daniel, I'll come to your practice. So I ended up, I reluctantly went and I completely fell in love. It was 20 minutes of being there and I was like, this is amazing. I'm back love at it. it. I'm back at it. So I was an assistant coach. You know, I was able to work with a ton of different teams. So I was a utility coach, which is the best kind of coach because I got to float around and work with a lot of different athletes and different teams. And what I really, what I noticed while I was there is that everything that I had been learning and been passionate about. So when I finished playing volleyball, I was doing triathlons, half marathons. I was rock climbing. I was rollerblading and skateboarding at skate parks. I was going to trampoline parks. And then when I moved home, I was like, I was boogie boarding again. Um, so. I was doing a lot of different sports, so that that side of me has never changed i've i've always doubled down on my health i've always wanted to move my body i've always been interested in in doing yoga and really uh, maximizing my mental and physical performance so that that stuff was just stuff that I was selfishly learning how to do so as I walked into this volleyball gym and I started working with these athletes, I started noticing that. I was exactly like them once and our practices became more than just skills and drills. It became a lot about goal setting. It became about the winning habits that it was going to take to get them where they wanted to go. It was about how to communicate with your teammates. It was about the nutrition and the hydration and just all of these different pieces that kind of came together. And as I was helping these girls achieve their goals and dreams, I realized mine. And I remember I was driving to work. I'd be driving to work and I'm like, how do I, how do I impact more athletes? How do I make something amazing? How, how do I do this? I know that I'm called for something huge, but I don't know what it is. I had no idea what that would look like. So for the first year, as I was coaching, I was, I was getting to know what they would need or how they would need to consume things. And I did a ton of research. I was doing research on, on you know, how to build a website, how to, you know, have all the business stuff, like how do people consume things, how to create content, like all of these different things. Cause I was trying to figure out or find a model for what I wanted to do so that I could, so I didn't have to reinvent the wheel. I like, I do like to work smarter. So I was trying not to reinvent this wheel. So the first year was, was about vision and research. And how do I do, how do I do what I think I want to do? How do I create a thing? And the second year, because I was working, again, I was working full time. So this was kind of just something that was playing in the back of my head and something that I really wanted to do. So the second year was all about creating this roadmap of like things that I would need to learn and what I would need to do and how I would need to do it and just everything that I would need. And I was knocking stuff off the list by the third year my vision started to become a little bit more clear where it was like, okay, I know I'm going to have a YouTube channel. I know that, or I, <laughs> I know that I should have a YouTube channel for content. I'd like to write a book. I would eventually like to do speaking. I'd like to do, you know, I'd like to, that was like the plan. Right. And at that time I was under, and I, I still have it, but I was under the Instagram uh, handle female athlete inspiration. But I didn't want a company that was called Female Athlete Inspiration because I wanted to speak to more than just female athletes. So at that time, there, the vision of how things would would grow and present themselves wasn't really there. I, I mean, not, not for a lack of trying, but it took a couple of years. It took till year three, probably like year four and year five, where the vision for what I've wanted to create, the company, the book, and then everything else, and we can dive into that stuff in a second. But it took a while to really get the vision down in terms of how how to make the biggest impact, how to serve this particular um, market, and how to create something that's unlike anything that's ever been created. So <laughs> it's it's been a mission to get to this point from from being a, you know, being an athlete, transitioning to being, you know, a salesperson to getting fired. And, and I knew that it was coming. It wasn't when your boss gets fired in sales, you know, that you're going to get fired. Plus I knew it was the, the, the foot in the butt that I was going to need to create my own company. So, so that was also part of it and transitioning to being a founder, being a CEO, running a business, being a speaker, being an entrepreneur, and not just a cookie cutter entrepreneur, but somebody who's creating something that. Innovative. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So,
0: so when it comes to this, right, so it was, a, it was a journey to really kind of figure out what your purpose was or what you felt, what you were called to do, right? Yes. So, one, so, so, so I know for me, I was an athlete that had this big dream, and, and, I, and I didn't know what I didn't know. So when you see these youth athletes for the first time, how were they going about the dream? Were they, were they more of just like, I'm going to play, I'm going to achieve these goals, and they just kind of just like, I'm just playing just to play? Or how, how do you kind of realize that this is something that's needed?
1: Oh, man. So it was it was in this, like the first thing that I would ask them. So I'd come into the gym and I'd be like, what are you guys working on today? Cause again, I floated with different teams. So I would work with all these different groups. So I'd be like, Hey guys, what are you, what are you working on today? And they would look at me like I was crazy, which I am, but they would look at me like, oh, huh? What did you just ask? And I said, what are you working on? And I was like, and then I was like leading them with questions and answers. I was like, well, you're a passer, right? And she's like, Yeah. And I was like, okay, so are you working on passing today? She's like, yeah. And I said, okay, well, what aspect of passing are you working on? And she's like, again, blank stare. And I said, you know, are we working on moving our feet to the ball? Are we working on reading defense? Are we working on, um, you know, all of these different, like giving her like a thousand different answers that she could have answered, and you know she, and then she'd be like, moving, yeah, yeah. Like it was like she was waiting for me to say the right one. She's like, um, moving my heat, my feet to the ball, and reading off defense. Yeah, that, mm-hmm. that's what I'm working on today. Mm-hmm. So I would, you know, and this was not an uncommon conversation that I would have with these athletes. I would it, just the simple question of like, what is your focus today? Some of these kids, you know, they'd come in and they'd be playing for fun and they they want to win, but just like the thought process behind how do we get better wasn't, oh, and again, this is just my experience in this particular thing. This isn't all athletes everywhere, but this shot, this really shined a light on how are athletes developing themselves? And also when I saw what was going on with these athletes, I started thinking, well, what was it like when I was 16? I was like, well, you tried to eat well, or you know, you like you read through some magazines to try to learn how to eat well or better, and you know, you stopped eating fries and and <laughs> and soda, and then I, I started to think, oh my gosh, I had no idea what I was doing, and these kids didn't either; they had no idea that to be better at your sport, there are different things that can help to move the needle. And there's different aspects, there's different elements, there's different components to those. And I was really realizing that there wasn't a clear roadmap for athlete development. Like we know, we know as athletes, right. And, and athletes at every level, even, even if you're a youth athlete, you know, that you're supposed to, it doesn't mean you're doing it, but you know, that you're supposed, you're supposed to be fast or do strength and conditioning. So I probably need to work out. I need to go to practice to develop my, my sport specific skills. I know that, I know that there's this thing about mental performance, but nobody, especially youth athletes really can, can grasp that and comprehend it. And then, you know, Oh, well, I know that I'm supposed to recover and maybe sleep or, you know, it's just all these different things that we think that we're supposed to do, but especially at that age, you don't really know how to put that together. And, and this kind of goes, goes through everything is like, if we don't, most people, if you don't have a clear roadmap or a clear, like step one through step four, you're probably not going to do it because then you have to take energy and attention and you have to research and you have to put, you have to program your stuff. You have to look into things and you have to learn. And guess what? That takes a lot of time and it takes a lot of energy and not a lot of people have time or energy or prioritize that. So, you know, creating a really easy to understand roadmap of, Hey, if you want to perform at your best, when it matters most, If you want to elevate your game, if you want to excel on and off the court, there are eight things that you really need to focus on to increase your performance. Here's eight things, eight areas.
0: And and just to go on that, I think is it's one of those things where where you look at the like the athlete, the elite athletes, right? A lot of them develop that. Uh huh. And and they kind of like, we look, look at like the Tom Brady's, right? He was never the fastest or strongest, but he just had the mental aspects to push himself to do. And I, and I think like what you're doing is Austin, awesome because so many athletes never develop that and they kind of just go off town alone. And eventually talent just becomes, it doesn't get you everywhere, right? It, yeah. It, it, it may get you the, the junior, junior year, and <laughs> you, you get hit and you're like, oh, snap why why that person who was freshman year not that good now they're better than me
1: exactly and it's you know it's one of those things that as athletes we we're, we're juggling a lot we're juggling our sport we're juggling school we're juggling our social and our family and all of these different pressures. And especially at that time, you're going to college, you've got people in your face about where you're going to go, what you're going to do, you're you're trying to figure out what you're going to do with the rest of your life. You know, there's a lot of pressure. And the last thing you're really thinking, like, you, yes, we love our sport. But the last thing you're really thinking about is, how do I actually get to where I want to go? And what are the things I need to do every single day to do it? Like, that's, that's not always the first thought. And you know, why I've created the business and wrote the book that I have in for the listeners. I've created a mental and physical performance platform that helps empower athletes to become unstoppable and unlock their true potential. And we do that in a variety of ways. So there's the book, there is a line of performance planners, we've got the the podcast, so the content that's out, you know, we're going to be developing a mobile application here soon that's going to revolutionize athlete development. You know, the event series will be going on probably at the end of the year. And I know it's in January, so probably a year from now, because there's a lot to juggle, you know, and just always looking at different ways to really revolutionize athlete d- development and help athletes get a little bit better and train smarter. So, you know, the platform, the book, all of the things that we're creating, you know, is really aimed at helping athletes understand and yeah, and, and not even understand, but give them the strategies on how to succeed. Because it's it's very easy to know what we need to do, and not as easy to do what we need to do. And a lot of us are developing in haphazard ways. You know, everybody wants to get better. Well, for the most part, everybody wants to get better at whatever they're doing. But we don't always do that in a linear way, or in a way that really makes sense. And everybody learns in different ways. And I know that everybody's on their different journey. But when it comes to, I know that if I had this book, this program, if I I know if I had access to myself, or if I, or any of the things that, that are out there today, or the, the podcast that I've learned from, I know that I would be a, a very different athlete. I'd probably be a professional athlete or be an Olympian. I know that because I know that I have the mindset and the work ethic to do that. And as I was developing as an athlete, I trained really hard, but I never really trained very smart. And that's something, you know, we see in youth athletes that there's a huge dropout rate, and in, in, not in terms of high school, but drop out from sports. So participation ratio or numbers decrease. We have a lot of burnout and we have injuries. A lot of that can be attributed to, you know, the volume of training that we're doing training too hard instead of training smart. You know, a lot of that can be attributed to, um, to not recovering and not sleeping and not teaching our athletes, the strategies to really train smarter. So, and for, for everybody who's listening, the, the eight areas that that I focus on and, and my framework for peak performance is really blending the mental and physical performance aspects. And that's going to be hydration, nutrition, movement, and recovery. Those are all physical. And then on the mental side, we have confidence, energy management, visualization, and self-talk and resilience. So those are the areas that if an athlete wants to get better, if an athlete wants to see their performance soar on and off the court, if they want to be happier and healthier, these are the areas that we need to, we need to add strategies and winning habits in our life to really see change and move the needle in terms of performance, where, wherever that may be.
0: Love that. I, I think it, like, you, like you're saying, like you can go, go back to like your younger self and be like, hey,
1: <laughs>
0: do this, you know? Right? And I think, I think that's kind of cool, just how you're going about helping the next generation. Like a lot of times, people people may think like, Oh, why are you why why are you doing this?" Right? You may you may ask you other points, "Why why are you why are you doing why are you doing this concept?" We just let people kind of just learn it on their own, but we can just see like just one little nugget because it's helped that the athlete learn to to maybe fix your feet this time. You know, work on that focus, and next thing that that, that could be the one that makes them the captain. You know, and I think so. I think it's awesome how you're going about this. So, so where do you? So where do you hope to uh, I guess continue to make this movement go or like or or, or how do you or where do you or what what are you getting feedback wise from your athletes that are going through this process?
1: Nice. So the the big vision, which is very clear now. You know, I I talked a lot about in my journey, there's, you know, there's been not always a clarity of direction. I mean, there's it's been foggy, but and I've been able to see, but I haven't always been able to like see the summit like i can i can clearly see that summit now and i know what that looks like and i know what i'm walking i know what i'm walking towards now and for me and for the company it's about revolutionizing athlete development and that comes in a lot of different ways you know the book is really cool because it helps athletes develop individually and give their best to their sport and you know one of one of the big pieces of this is that everything that you learn in your sport is directly transferable to everything you do in life and these these nuggets of wisdom these these experiences these winning habits that you implement in your life as an athlete guess what those shouldn't stop you know your your goals you just transition you just you just shift you know the feedback and kind of the big vision and and what's been rolling forward so far is So there's the book and the planner, and that is a program right now. It's a physical program that teams can use as their athlete development program. So when we walk into clubs, when we walk into high schools, you know, unless the coach has a background in all eight of these things, like they they might be, they might be athletic trainers, they might be um strength and conditioning coaches, they might have like pieces of these things, but there's really not, there is, and when I say this is the first, this is the first thing, like this is, this is a revolutionary thing. This is the first program that is a comprehensive athlete development program that gives athletes a customized roadmap for success for whatever they want to do. One of the things that, or one of the pieces of feedback that I'm getting is people are are really enjoying that there are a lot of different options. You know, when it comes to nutrition, you know, that's a, that's a sticky subject for a lot of people because we have these, and especially in America, we have these ideologies that we love, right? So team paleo, team vegan, team meat eater, team what, fill in the blank, you team team whatever, right?
0: Team hot like, cheetos.
1: Team hot Cheetos and frosted flakes, you know, or team, I really don't care about what I put in my body. You know, the, the, we have these ideologies, we have these teams and w- the pieces of feedback that I'm getting are that I don't tell you what to do in the book, in my program, in everything that my, that my company developed, we don't tell you what to do. I'm not going to, I'm not going to tell you what to do. I'm going to tell you, this is the current science. This is what we know. Your body and your mind are very, very unique. Here's 20 different things that you can try, and it's up to you to experiment. So the pieces of feedback that I'm getting is that, that people are really enjoying that they don't feel like they're being preached to. They're being given choice. And they're being taught how to find out for themselves. And that's really important as we mature as people and athletes and everybody's again at their at a different place in their athlete journey, whether you're an ex-athlete or whether you are, you know, a professional athlete now, or just a youth athlete, we're all at different places. So knowing that you can experiment, you can find out what works for you. And here's a list of a bunch of different things you can try. I think that that's really empowering to be told that you have control over your destiny. You have control over all of those things. And sometimes the reason why you fail isn't because you are bad. It's because the thing that you tried didn't work because of X, Y, and Z reason. And guess what? That one wasn't the right one for you. It doesn't mean that you should stop trying to be the best version of yourself, whether that's, um, aesthetically, you know, like losing body fat, if that's like your goal, that's just one of like the ones that people go to a lot or, you know, in terms of like resilience, right. That's when we don't talk about a lot is like, You know, there's a lot. There's a lot of things that you can do.
0: Love it. Love it. So, where people can kind of maybe kind of find more about the winning element and what you're doing? Social media, websites?
1: So, at the winning element is where you can find on all social platforms is where you can get in contact with us. We do, we have an assessment that is super powerful. And whether you're an individual athlete, whether you're a coach, um, and I have professional athletes who take this assessment and it's hard to score well on. So, uh, so for the youth athletes who take this assessment, especially when I give it, when I go do uh, workshops and, and speaking events is, you know, I say, Hey, you know, if, if you're not scoring very well, it just means you have a lot of room to grow. And it means you're going to see, you're going to see more, uh, more growth faster because you're, you weren't aware of these things. So the assessment is at www.thewinningelementassessment.com. And what it does is it breaks those eight categories. There's 10 questions for each category. And what it does is it really helps you spot strengths and weaknesses in your physical and mental performance. And there's this powerful thing about numbers and visuals. When we get a score on something, it, it makes it real. Like when you see five out of 10, you're like, I got some work to do, you know, when you see two out of 10, you got some work to do. And sometimes that's the foot in the butt that you need to, to really start looking at what would it take for me to, to add some new things into, into my life and, and really level up. So at the winning element on all platforms, I've got the podcast, The Winning Element podcast, The Athlete's Journey, and I talk to a lot of professional athletes and coaches, and you're going to be on soon, and I'm really excited about it. So you can catch me at the podcast, and for teams or for universities or organizations that really want a program that is customizable and really freaking cool, um, they can just go to be bethewinningelement.com which is the website and you can find out how to get in touch with me and our team there.
0: Yeah, it's so cool to kind of see your growth. Like it's only been me about a year or so since we first connected, and you know, just to see how you, how you started when we first met, you know, the female athlete mission, you know, now how it's, I mean, the inspiration, you know, and how it's just progressing until this kind of cohesive you know, thing. So it's awesome it's a
1: real you. thing. Like it's a, it's a real thing. I always yeah. knew I wanted to write this book and, like five, six years ago, I knew I wanted to write this book. And I knew, I knew you can't launch a book to no audience like that's yeah. stupid. And honestly, at the time I wasn't ready to write it. Right. And it took some time and and the vision's gotten more clear and it's, it's been really cool to have, have you on board with it too, because both of us have been growing our businesses and we, we support each other in a lot of different ways. And it's, it's really fun and it's, it's inspiring. Yeah. yeah. And it's a It's fun to have somebody to walk with and allies and, and people to just, that just get it and get the journey. So I'm so grateful for you and everything that you're doing and the impact that you're making. Uh, you know, I, I know that you love storytelling, you're an expert storyteller, and I know that you really love to get other people's stories out there. So I thank you so much for the opportunity to share a little bit about mine. And I also look forward to sharing your story with my audience later.
0: Awesome, man. Hey, if you're listening right now, go go watch some of her videos, the, the, the campaign, the Unstoppable campaign. Those videos are awesome, you know?
1: Oh, yeah, you're coming next. So oh, so you're on the next one. Yeah, the next couple of weeks, I'll be getting that out. The Unstoppable campaign. Absolutely.
0: <sighs> awesome. Deanna, you the best, you the MVP. So glad to have you on and um, we'll be in touch soon. Yo, thanks for listening to this episode of the Nine Point Started with a Dream podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please comment, share, leave a review. We would love to hear your thoughts. You can find more athlete-driven content at ninepoint.com. Till the next episode, you're only one. Opportunity away. Peace.